You're listening to the Investing.com's weekly crypto podcast with your host, Clément Thibault. Hello, everyone. I'm Clément Thibault, and welcome to Investing.com's weekly crypto podcast, Cryptalk. Uh, it's already February, so if you haven't started working on those New Year resolutions, I'd suggest you need to start get on it because we're about 10% done in the year. And uh, if you're not starting, you're not going to get there. So that's a kind reminder that if you have those New Year resolutions, you really need to get on them. Uh, so today, like we usually do, we'll go over uh, this week's most important crypto-related news. Uh, what we try to do is summarize and analyze the news in a quick weekly uh, podcast just to keep you updated so you can stay updated without having to really follow crypto every single day. All right, uh, that being said, let's move on to the topics of this week. So this week, we have a few interesting topics for you. So first of all, we're going to start with uh, the Bitcoin ETF has been refiled with the SEC. So that's the first thing that we're going to be talking about today. Uh, so you know that they withdrew the application uh, last week that was on last week's podcast. And this week, they just refiled it. So we're going to talk about uh, the timeline where it's going to be approved or rejected. We're going to talk about the changes in the applications, uh, why they decided to withdraw and refile so soon. So we're going to go over all of that in a minute. Uh, another thing, we're going to talk about uh, Binance deciding to start converting uh, fiat money, so means U US dollars and euros to crypto. Until now, Binance has been a crypto to crypto exchange. So you couldn't really go on with dollars on there. You already have to have crypto. And now they're going to change that so you could start trading on Binance with uh, your dollars and your euros, which is very, very important. Uh, we're going to talk, our third topic is going to be on uh, the NEM Foundation. So those are the people that run the, to the token uh, XEM. Uh, it's, about, it's one of the top 20s currencies, and the foundation that's pushing the token is apparently very close to being bankrupt. They're one month away from being bankrupt, and they're, uh, they're asking the community to get involved and approve funds for them. So we're going to be talking about the implications of the fund uh, going bankrupt. Uh, we're going to talk about what it means for XEM and generally for the industry because it's not the only coin to have a foundation that's pushing it. And our last topic this week, we'll be exploring just a little bit uh, the concept of wrapped Bitcoin. So wrapped Bitcoin is an Ethereum token. So it's on the Ethereum network, but it's backed by Bitcoin. So that, that launched just this week. And we're going to be talking about a little bit about why it, why it exists, what, what they're hoping to get out of having Bitcoin on Ethereum, which is kind of weird. So that's our four topics this week, and I hope not to run too long with it. So let's go. So our first topic this week uh, is the Bitcoin ETF that has been refiled. So as you know, uh, VanEck and SolidX have proposed an ETF that had February 27 as a deadline for the SEC to approve or reject. And what they decided to do was to withdraw it last week and not wait until the SEC approves or denies it. And just, you know, try again. So uh, very quickly they did because it's just a week after and they've already filed for a new ETF. Uh, so the timeline on this one is 240 days, which brings us to about October. Now, I don't think the count has started because the federal government needs to publish that they actually filed it. And so there's a few days until that happens. But from then, it will be about eight months. So that's what we have. So that means by the end of the year. Now, I did uh, skim over the proposal, the new one, uh, which is a lot longer 
than the the early one. So that that one is about 140 pages, and that's about 40 pages more than what it used to be. Uh, they didn't change that much. So the one thing that is good is that more of the pieces that they're marketing are actually in play right now. Uh, in the earlier version of the CTF, uh, it was relying on an index for the over-the-counter price of Bitcoin that was that didn't exist yet. And the good thing is that they launched a while ago and now it actually exists. So there's actually something to judge. Um, and the new tactic that they're going with to approve the ETF is that it, they want approval based on something that the SEC already approved. And that's the dry bulk shipping ETF, which is supposed to be an ETF on the price of bulk shipping. And why did they choose this ETF and why, why is that their new tactic? So this ETF of the bulk shipping has low liquidity and it's, it's running only about 100 million a day. And Bitcoin futures are running about 100 to 150 millions a day. So they're trying to say, look, liquidity is not a problem because you already approved an ETF that is less liquid than the one that we are trying to get approved. So liquidity should not be a problem. They also choose this ETF because it's it's very, very, very volatile, just like Bitcoin. And in six months, it actually lost 95% of its value. So this ETF is very illiquid compared to other big ETFs. And also it has massive volatility. So what they're trying to say is that, look, you know, you don't want to approve a Bitcoin one because volatility means that maybe there's manipulation. But here you already approved something that was very, very volatile. And the other thing is that shipping prices and this ETF is not very regulated. There's no really, you know, authority like in gold, like in other assets where they're, where they're saying, listen, we can vouch for that. We can vouch that this is not manipulated. And this is not the case here. So. Uh, to sum everything up, why they added that to the ETF, because it's not liquid, it's very volatile, and it's not provably regulated. And those three things actually happen in Bitcoin as well. So they're trying to say, listen, you approve this, maybe approve this one. Now, to me, it sounds a lot like whining in a way, where, you know, you have like a little brother and a bigger brother, and, and he started, and look, but you did that, and so it's not, it doesn't sound to me like very, very sound arguments. Listen, you've made this before, now let's do that. And they're saying there, and it's it's actually funny to see, they're saying that they don't want to see the other ETF revoked. I mean, they just want to get theirs approved. So honestly, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of that tactic as a way to get something approved, right? Because I don't think that you'll get the ETF approved by nagging the SEC, even though, you know, like, Legal precedents are a big thing in law, and that's kind of what they're doing here. But I really don't see it succeeding for some reason, and I don't think that you know this is the way to go to approve it. Now, why did they withdraw and refile? So I said it last week, and I really, I still think it uh, that the SEC would have rejected their proposal for an ETF. So first of all, you withdraw not to, you know to not get rejected in your face. You want to save face. You're likely to be rejected, so you're like, okay, you know what? Let's just not ask the question and don't get the answer I don't want to hear. And another thing is that now they kind of bought themselves eight months, and they bought the industry eight months to actually, you know, go ahead with crypto project and back it that we've talked about in an early podcast, which comes with custodial solutions and Fidelity Digital Assets is supposed to also get opened in March and start running in March. So they they're really hoping that in the course of the next eight months. Uh, it'll get more institutionalized 
and and you know there'll be a lot more money in it and maybe institutional money in it and it will be a lot easier for the sec to approve so that's what i think that they're trying to do with it and that's why they withdrew and refiled so quickly you know it's only been a week and that's it now another uh, little tidbit about uh, the paper that they actually submitted it has a lot of duplicates. So if you go to page 10 and you go to page 78, it's the exact same text for a free paragraph. So I'm not exactly sure why that's the case. And maybe that's why it's longer because it's a lot of duplicate. It seemed a little bit unprofessional to have entire paragraphs copy pasted from, you know, early in the paper to later in the paper. But, you know, maybe that's just me. And But that's just something I noticed that I was like, you know, why, why not say it? Why not say it? It's true. All right. So that's for our Bitcoin ETF. Chances of approval remain low. Uh, I still don't think that it'll get approved. I said that I don't I don't see one getting approved in 2019, but I'd love to be proven wrong. So let's just follow, you know, what the institutions are doing and what's going on with Packet and Fidelity, and we'll revisit it later in the year for sure. All right, moving on to our second topic, Binance. All right, so our big news of this week regarding exchanges. I feel like every week we have a little something on exchanges, whether uh, one gets hacked or one adds a, you know, a new feature or something. And it really shows you that things are happening, even though crypto prices are maybe a little down. Uh, things are still very much happening in the crypto world. So this week it's Binance, which is uh, the largest, one of the largest exchanges by trading volumes. And they're starting to accept crypto payments. So they're starting to get dollars and convert them to BTC to trade on the platform. And they're doing this with Simplex, which is the provider of the service. So they're partnering up, that's what they're gonna do. So the thing is that until now, Binance has been a crypto to crypto platform. You didn't, you couldn't really trade US dollars for crypto. You could trade tethers and you could trade other stable coins, but if you had real dollars in your bank account, you had to do something with them before you came to Binance. You could just go to Binance. And the thing is that now you'll be able to go to Binance and you'll be able to go straight to Binance with your credit card, buy Bitcoins with dollars on Binance and start trading. That's the big news. Now, the reason that Binance is doing this is double. So first of all, uh, the exchanges, of course, they make money from volume and trading. So the more people can access their platform and the more people they can get into their platform and trading, you know, they'll, they'll have more success and they'll make more money. And of course, uh, Simplex takes a commission on, you know, the conversion and Binance will probably get some of that conversion as well. So it's just another revenue stream for them. And the second thing is that I believe that Binance wants to take on Coinbase. So Coinbase is another big exchange, and that's kind of the, the go-to exchange in the U.S. If you have dollars, if you have euros, and you want to get into you know, crypto, then Coinbase is probably the place where you go to buy your first coins. And Binance, which is very, very, very strong in Asia, they're not very well known in the U.S. because they don't provide that service. So now by providing that service and by offering users a way to convert dollars into Bitcoin, they're really hoping to make a push in the U.S. And if they can make a push into the U.S. by, make, by being already one of the biggest exchanges with volume from Asia, taking over the U.S. will solidify its spot as the number one exchange in the world, which I think it is right now. But it's, it's hard to see yourself as top dog without having a big presence in the U.S., in a lot of markets, not just in exchanges. So that's why they're doing this, and they're really hoping to be able to compete with Coinbase on their own soil, meaning in the U.S., and take some market share away from them. Now, 
it's a little bit controversial of a move. Why? Because you know that the New York regulations are very, very strict. And there's already a lot of exchanges that don't accept customers from the New York anymore. And there's been a few banks, including JP Morgan, including Citigroup, that said that they would they will not allow the customers to buy crypto and Bitcoin with their credit card. So the banks just don't want to deal with crypto at all. And so even though it's your money and even though you know you have full, full control of it, you won't be able to use their payment methods, the bank's payment methods, to actually buy a crypto. So you can take the, the cash out at an ATM and go buy face-to-face, -face, right? Because they can't control the cash. But they can control the flow of electronic money. And so they're refusing to let you buy a crypto with your credit card. So it still remains to be seen, you know, how... Binance manages to do it. Coinbase already does it, so obviously it's possible. But it'll be interesting to see where the regulations maybe hit Binance and maybe even hit Binance a little harder because they're not Americans. That that's definitely a plot line that I'll be I'll be taking a close look at as this situation develops and as the regulator starts approaching Binance with the business that they want to do in the U.S. Now. Uh, just as an FYI, if you want to buy on Binance, then you'll be able to buy Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, and Ripple or XRP. That's the four currencies that they're offering, that they're, they're going to offer at the beginning. Uh, it looks a lot like Coinbase. Coinbase also had Bitcoin Cash for a while, and then they started adding all those tokens. We've talked about it in the podcast as it's kind of like Coinbase tried to become Binance by adding more tokens, and now Binance tries to become more Coinbase by offering a way to buy crypto with U.S. dollars. All right, so that's that's big news because I know that a lot of our listeners and a lot of people in crypto in general are using Binance. So now you'll be able to top off your account with your credit card if you want to. All right, now let's move on to our third news piece of the week, and that's the NEM Foundation going bankrupt. All right, so some news coming out of an altcoin this time, uh, the NEM Foundation. So the NEM Foundation is the foundation that's behind the XEM token. And what you, the first thing you need to know about this token is that at its peak, according to Investing.com's index, it was about $2 per token. That's what it was. And now today, it's, about, it's a little less than $0.04. Cents. So you can do the math alone and see why we're talking about a foundation uh, going bankrupt because the value of the token dropped from $2 to $0.04. Cents. Now, the second thing you need to know is that the NEM Foundation is community-funded. And it's, promote, and it's promoting the blockchain. That, that's their job, basically, to promote the blockchain, to try to push it, uh, to be able to lobby firms and governments into letting it operate and all that kind of stuff. So not that they're running out of money, uh, they're planning layoffs and they have 150 people. And I think that they're going to cut a big part of it. Now, uh, the new governance council that was elected uh, said that all the problems they have right now is because of the, the previous government council. And, and that's funny because I said government and I meant it because it sounds exactly like politics where a new treasury secretary comes in and just blames the, the one that just came out and said, oh, he did a bad job and look at what I'm stuck with now. So, you know, kind of funny crypto politics, people will be people and people in position of power will be people in position of powers. That's just how it is. So now that the foundation can ask the, the users if they want to approve more funding for it so that it can survive. And what they want is to unlock 
160 million tokens, uh, which is a few million dollars to rescue the organization. So the numbers are about what they spent and how they got to this point. Uh, the foundation, they spent approximately 80 million XCM between December 2017 and January 2019. So that's about a year and two months. And even if we take today's lowest valuation, that's about that's over three million dollars in you know expenses and everything. And now the funny thing is that all this foundation exists and they're pushing a product that doesn't even exist because it hasn't been even launched. So they're talking about this project called Catapult and it's supposed to be you know their big thing on the blockchain, but it, it doesn't even exist yet. So all that money in advertising and all that 150 people are working there. And, you know, they, they're, they're not even promoting something real. They're promoting a future product. So, yeah, it's kind of weird. So now they're trying to turn things around and they said that everything will be more budgeted and, and everything. And they'll request documentation for things that people are doing to see that they're actually doing them and that the community will be able to vote if they want to, you know, fund things or not. And it's, you know, it's really funny. And so if you ask me if it'll succeed, I really think it won't. And it's just... For me, all this business is just another warning for investors to stay out of projects with foundations, right? Foundations, to me, are just a way to, to spend the money that has been raised in a legitimate way, right? That's 150 paychecks. That's paychecks for the CEO. And it really seems like those foundations don't do a lot except for spending money and paying themselves a salary. That's really what it seems to me. And I really think that those kind of sketchy business practices where people just enrich themselves really, really need to go away. And all those like blockchains, they're, for me, there's just a way to transfer wealth from, let's call them unsophisticated investors to just entrepreneurs in air quotes because it's mostly scammers, not even real entrepreneurs. So, you know, it, it's a shame that this is happening. I think it's it's still a warning, right? It's not too late to evaluate everything you hold and look at what they're doing with your money and look at what they're doing. If we're talking about XRP, their main business model is to sell tokens on, you know, different exchanges. How good of a business model is that, you know? And how many people at Ripple, the company, get richer by selling those tokens? So it's really those questions that you have to ask yourself when you're investing in a project that has a foundation, that has a person, you know, who is making money, who is profiting from all that. And generally, it's a good question to ask for life. But the question, but the answers are really obvious in crypto. So if you just ask the questions, you'll find out the answers in no time. All right. So that's that's for uh, the foundation, maybe going bankrupt. We'll see. We'll follow. And our last topic is wrapped Bitcoin, which is Bitcoin on Ethereum, which is weird. And I just wanted to explain for a few minutes. All right. So I see that we're already coming up to 20 minutes. So I'll try to make this one a little shorter. So wrapped Bitcoin, I said it's Bitcoin, but on the Ethereum blockchain. So how does that work? So basically what it is, is that it's, a, it's an Ethereum token that is backed by a Bitcoin. Right. So just like stable coins, you know, Tether and all those guys. So you buy a token that represents a dollar that sits in a bank account somewhere or is supposed to sit in a bank account somewhere. So that's what it is. So it's just Bitcoin that is represented on the Ethereum blockchain. Now, the purpose of this token is, is, is a couple of things. First of all, uh, when we're talking about decentralized exchanges, right, what they can do today is swap Ethereum tokens for Ethereum tokens. So you can't really 
trade Bitcoin to Ethereum today on a decentralized exchange. Now, if we have Bitcoin on the Ethereum chain, you could de facto trade Ethereum for Bitcoin on the Ethereum and not go off the Ethereum chain because you have a representation of Bitcoin on the Ethereum chain. So that's basically why they're doing it. Of course, uh, the company that's pushing it and the company that actually created it is BitGo, which has a custodial solution, but it's not very, very successful right now because like we said, uh, institutions are not rushing into the market and so there's little demand. And what they're trying to do here is kind of get a little more acquainted with tokenizing. And their CTO actually said that they're really hoping to tokenize more things in the future, like bonds or stocks. So that's why they decided to venture into tokenizing things by tokenizing uh, Bitcoin on the Ethereum blockchain. Now, of course, you know, it has its problems and it's introducing someone in the middle in a way. Now, they said that everything will be transparent and every users will be able to audit uh, the wallet that the, you know, the Bitcoins are supposed to be in, the Bitcoins that represent uh, the, the wrapped Bitcoins on the Ethereum chain. So it's, it's an interesting proposition. It's kind of a weird cross. Uh, because a lot of things when a lot of times when you think about you know Bitcoin and Ethereum and the communities, uh, they're often at odds with each other. So it's fun to see that those kind of things somehow merge and people are creating some kind of Frankenstein's monsters of crypto by you know representing this token on this blockchain and this blockchain on this token. So so after you know the US dollar on the Ethereum blockchain, we now have Bitcoin on the Ethereum blockchain. Uh, I won't be surprised to see, you know, EOS on the Ethereum blockchain or XRP on the on the Ethereum blockchain pretty soon. So that if you're interested in creating something like that, that would probably be a good moment because I really see it, you know, becoming a thing in 2019, representing other cryptocurrencies on crypto on other blockchains and that kind of stuff. All right, so I'm happy I got that wrapped up quickly because I wanted to touch the concept a little bit because it's a new thing and I'm not sure that many of you have heard of it. And I think that it'll have implications going forward. All right, so uh, now that we're done with that, let's move out to the outro. All right, that's it. We've reached the end of another Cryptalk episode. Uh, as always, it's been a pleasure to be here and analyze the news and keep you up to date if you're not following the crypto markets on a daily basis. Uh, if you like the podcast, feel free to drop a comment on investing.com or on my personal Twitter. So my name is on the podcast, Art Clément Thibault, but it's written in French, so it's kind of weird. And my handle on Twitter is at C-L-E-M-T-H-I-B-A-U-L-T. So as always, thanks for being here. And I'll see you next week with another episode of Crypt Talk by Investing.com.